0: Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. So today we are talking instructional design academies. And so this is something that comes up all the time and... I want to first explain what an academy is. You may have heard me talk about mine, which is Applied Instructional Design Academy. It is a nine-month program where you can learn the practical side of instructional design to really help you stand out in the field, build a portfolio, and get a job. But there are others out there as well. And there's also other ways to learn instructional design. Last week, we talked about getting a master's degree. Now, my recommendation was not to get a master's degree. And if you want to hear more about that, you can check out the episode from last week. But it is one option. You also have the option of doing it yourself. And so when you really lay the options out there, there is the master's degree route. There is the do-it-yourself route. And then there is the route of joining an ID Academy. But then if you do decide that you want to join an Academy Academy, you have to figure out which one to join because there are a few that are out there, which is actually awesome because you can find the one that best suits you. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is first, should you even join one at all? And then second, if you decide that you do wanna join one, what is the right one? Now, I said that one of those options was to get your master's. And I will say, if you want more details on that, you can go listen to the episode from last week. But I will say quickly that If you do get your master's, you're still going to end up doing one of the other two options. You don't skip them. So it's not master's DIY or academy. It's DIY, maybe you could do that the whole way. ID academy from the beginning or get your master's and DIY or get your master's and do an academy because your master's is going to be really only about half of what you need And so you're still going to have to do another option, even if you do your master's. So what I want to first make sure that you are clear on is, is what an ID Academy is. And I kind of explained a little bit, but I want to go in a little bit more detail. If a master's doesn't adequately prepare you for instructional design, how do you learn? Obviously you can do it yourself, like I said, but like, what if you want to learn from somebody who's been in the field for a long time, you want to not make the same mistakes, you want to really go through a step-by-step process, you want to learn the practical side of what actually happens in the corporate world. Well, in the last three years, so I started Applied Instructional Design Academy. In the end of 2019, it actually had a different name for a little while when it was a smaller program. And then as it opened up in the beginning of 2020, we changed the name to Applied Instructional Design Academy. And since then... There's been several of these different programs that have popped up, and it really is because of this need for people to really learn the practical approach. Because in corporate, practical is what matters. Companies want to hire you because you actually know how to do the job, not because you theoretically know how to do it like you learn in grad school, but you actually know how to do it. And over the last five years or so, the portfolio has become the way to showcase that. And I talked about that on another episode earlier on. Now, creating a portfolio is pretty daunting on its own. And so that's where these ID academies come in, where they can help you actually create these portfolio samples and make sure that they're what hiring managers are looking for and all of that. And so you're not doing that in a vacuum. So that's a little bit about what they are as a whole, but each ID academy is not created the same. And so that's where it's important to really ask a lot of questions that we're going to talk about here in just a second. But I first want you to think about what your goals are for getting into instructional design. Obviously, your goal is to get into instructional design, or at least to consider it, or you wouldn't be here. But think about it a little bit more in depth. How soon are you looking to transition? Are you just looking to do a quick and dirty approach and try to get into the field as soon as possible, and you don't really care about the salary? As long as you can get in and work your way up, or are you really wanting to learn it in depth? You have a little bit more time and you want to really hit the ground running and go in with a higher salary so that those raises are much quicker and you're not working from a low baseline. Are you looking to work a full-time job in a training department? Are you looking to do freelancing where you find your own clients? Are you looking to work contract where you go and apply for contracts, but they're more flexible? Are you looking to work part-time? Are you looking to work full-time? Are you the kind of person? Because it's another thing to think about besides just what your goals are. What kind of learner are you? Are you the kind of person who really likes to figure things out on your own? Even if it takes longer, you like to piece things together. You are really self-motivated. You don't really get demotivated very easily. You know how to prioritize your time really well. So if you're doing this and working, You're just really diligent about making things happen and you're okay with trial and error. You're okay if maybe your portfolio isn't the greatest at first and it kind of costs you a few jobs because you applied with maybe a portfolio that wasn't top notch, but you eventually figure it out and that's okay because that's part of the process and you enjoy it and you have the time to be able to do that. A DIY approach might be a good approach for you if that's the case. But there's other people who, depending on your goals and depending on the kind of learner you are, you really want that support. You really want someone to walk you through the process. You really want the step-by-step. You really want to skip over all the mistakes that you would make. And you really want to learn from someone who has been in the field for a while. And not just on a every once in a while basis. Because you might be able to find somebody on LinkedIn who might help you out And might lend you an hour of their time for an informational interview, but they're not reviewing your samples. They're not looking at things diligently. They're not going through your resume with a fine tooth comb, right? And so it depends on what you're really looking for. But I think that some people really do need that support, that accountability, helping them stay on track, really giving them feedback. And so that's what we'll talk about in just a second in terms of what questions um, you want to ask in that regard, because not every ID Academy is created equal in that regard either, but First, you have to decide if you even want the support at all or if you think that you can do this on your own. And there are absolutely people who do that. And so I just want to make sure that you're clear. That is an approach. It just isn't the best approach for everyone. If you think about doing your taxes, you could do your taxes yourself. We're all perfectly capable of it. Do we all want to do it? Do we all want to spend the time to learn how to do it? Do we think it's worth our time to go into all that detail? Or we just want to have somebody else who's been there, done that you know, has the war stories, knows what to do, knows what to avoid, and just let them do it for us, right? That's kind of the difference. Now, an ID Academy is not going to do the work for you, you still have to show up and do the work. But the path is laid out for you, you don't have to forge your own path. And so it's the same idea. Some people have Somebody who comes and cleans their house, other people clean their own house. Some people have people who come and do repairs versus other people do it on YouTube and they figure out how to do their own repairs. It really just depends on what works for you and the kind of person you are. If you're the kind of person who DIYs your home repairs, does all those things yourself, you might like DIYing this. And it just really depends. Now, if you have a timeline and you're like, I need to be out of my job by X date, DIY might not be the best approach. Sometimes it can take 18 months to two years to be able to get through all of the trial and error, but you may not be in a rush. And so that may be something that works for you. So those are some of the things that I want you to think about in terms of your own goals and how you are as a learner before you even decide if you want to join an ID Academy. But let's kind of move on and say that you've decided that you do want to join some kind of an ID Academy. I'm going to give you some questions to ponder, questions to ask the company that you're thinking about going with, the person that you're thinking about going with, whatever it is, and some things to think about and a few action items that you can take to make sure that you are using your investment money wisely and that you really are going to you know, be able to hit your goals as long as you put in the work as well. It's a partnership. So the first thing I want you to think about and ask is if you're looking at a program look at who created the program, who is the founder of this program. And I want you to ask some questions. And I don't want you to just look and say, well, their name is everywhere. I see them here. They spoke at this conference. They're all over social media. That means they must be really good at this. Not necessarily. It could mean they're really good at it, but it could also mean they're really good at marketing. So you know one of the things with me that happened when I first started this company, people always say, you know, it's just business advice. You got to market your company because how is anybody going to know it even is there? If you want to teach people instructional design, but nobody knows you teach instructional design, you're probably not going to help too many people because nobody knows you're doing it. And so in the beginning, I was told you got to market yourself. You got to get yourself out there. That's how people know that you're doing this. Well, I intended to do that, but actually my program blew up from the very beginning where I had people knocking down my door trying to get in and learn instructional design from me at the same time as having actual instructional design contracts, like having big company contracts that we were still working on. When I started this, I hadn't let all of that go and I didn't have time to do all that marketing and get myself out there because I wanted to make sure that I was servicing both my corporate clients and my students who had joined my program, that I was servicing them to the best that I could. And so because there were so many of them already coming in, that became my focus. And I never actually got out there and really marketed myself all over the place. And even like people doing free webinars and all these things, I just didn't have time because I had so many people trying to learn from me. And so. That doesn't mean that the person who's getting themselves out there is not a great person. It just means that you want to make sure that you are asking about their background. How many years have they been in instructional design? That's important. Sometimes there's people out there trying to teach it and they've only been in the field for three, four, five years, or even two years for that matter, or six years, whatever it is. And so, you know, I've been in this field for in corporate instructional design. Corporate, probably about 17, 18 years. Overall, I've been in instructional design for over 20. And so I think it's really important to look at that. Look at the types of companies that they've worked for. If you're interested in getting into corporate instructional design, have they worked in corporate or do they only work in higher ed or that's their background or ed tech? Those three are not the same. And so you want to make sure that you're really assessing your goals and what you want with what that person does. I teach corporate instructional design. You're probably here because you want to get into corporate instructional design because that's what this podcast focuses on. But if not, and you wanted to do higher ed, I would not be the person. I was in higher ed for a couple of years early in my career, but it was like 20 years ago. Not only do I not really remember it, but it's very different than corporate. And I honestly can't teach both. It would spread me too thin. And so I really do focus on the corporate side. And so that's one thing that you want to consider when you're looking at the person that you're interested in learning from is, are they doing the thing that you want to do? Is that what their background is? Even if they are not doing it now, because maybe their full-time focus is on running this academy so that you can learn, have they done it recently? You know, have they not done any real projects with real clients for years? Or have they been doing it recently? And again, is it in the area that you want to get into? We were working with clients up until last year, and we may get back into it. We just have kind of taken a break. We actually had a really large project with a bank that recently collapsed that you probably have heard about for about a year and a half that we were working with them in addition to having applied Instructional Design Academy. And so that project just ended in the middle of last year. I'm glad it ended before all of this devastation happened with the bank collapsing. But that's something that is still very near to me. I have worked in the field very, very recently, and I still have a very good pulse on kind of what's going on. And so you want to think about that as well. So just to recap, you're finding out how long this person has been in the field. You're finding out, are they in corporate are higher ed, ed tech? Have they done all of them? What do they focus on and what do they teach? You're finding out when was the last time they even had uh, clients, like actual real corporate clients, if they're in corporate um, or higher ed clients or whatever it is, or last time they've had a job. You want to find out if they, if they have experience working full time or... Did they just do contract or freelance work? So when I say full-time, did they have a full-time job where they were working for a company? Because again, thinking about your goals, you may want a full-time job in a training department, or maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to work contract. And so it's important that your goals for that match up with the person that you're learning from. Have they done only one of those? Have they done both? That's an important consideration because not everyone who's teaching instructional design through an ID academy has done both. And so you want to make sure that you check on that as well. That's something that I have done just about everything under the sun that you can do. Of course, you can imagine being in the field for 20 years. I've worked full time for companies that are doing instructional design and training departments I have done contract work, I have gotten my own clients, I have hired instructional designers, I've ran departments, I've done project management and instructional design, I have done just about everything under the sun. And so if you've got somebody with a wide variety of experience, that's great, but not everyone has had that wide variety of experience. Somebody may have only gotten their own clients or somebody may have only worked in the field for one company, and so you want to check on that you want to look and see what they've actually done. So you want to see if they have their own portfolio of work on their website. Or if you Google, you want to see what kinds of clients have they worked with. Do they name their clients? All of those kinds of things are important as well to really establish credibility with this person to make sure they really have done what they say that they've done and that it is in line with your goals. Now, one thing you'll sometimes hear is that sometimes people will say, Well, have they spoken at conferences that the people who are the bigger names in the field have spoken at conferences? And if somebody hasn't spoken at a conference, do you really want to learn from them? This is the thing about that. Not everyone is able to even go to a conference, much less speak at one. 99% of these conferences, they're when kids are in school. So if you don't have kids, great. You can jump on a plane and go to any conference you want. Or if you have a supportive spouse or family that you can leave your kids with, you can do the same. Unfortunately, not all of us have that option. And so I have actually missed out and unfortunately not even been able to attend a conference. And I don't know how many years actually came really close to being able to attend one in May of last year. And then my mom, her health has been declining over the past few years and actually had to end up canceling that trip. And I was so upset because it was like the one that actually fell outside of my son's school schedule. But as a single mom, these things just don't happen. But if you think about it, conferences are public speaking. That skill set is not required as an instructional designer. In fact, a lot of instructional designers are introverts and really enjoy the back end of learning. We didn't sign up to be trainers at the front of the room training people. We signed up to be designers designing on the back end. And so speaking at a conference is not a skill set that you need as an instructional designer. And so I want to make sure that you're not looking at something that's really smoke and mirrors and that you're really looking at what is that person really done with real clients in the field and not just somebody who's speaking at a whole bunch of conferences because that's not doing instructional design work. And you want to learn from somebody who's been in the trenches. You also want to learn from somebody who's connected to hiring managers and to recruiters who has a really recent pulse on what is required out there as well. I mean, those are the things that are really important because at the end of the day, doing the work, doing the design documents and storyboards, doing needs analysis, making sure you know what your learners need, making sure you know what the behavioral outcomes are that you're trying to achieve with this particular training and the objectives and knowing the tools and being able to design, all of those things are what's actually important. Another question I would ask is how involved is the creator of the program with the program? So is this something where they're kind of like at the forefront, they're showing you, "Hey, I've got 20 years of experience in X, Y, and Z," but then when you get in the program, they're nowhere to be found. So you want to ask a lot of questions so that you know that before you join the program. Are they going to hand you off to someone else and then you're never going to hear from them again? Now, In order to really be successful in this transition, you're going to need a team, a community around you. It's not a bad thing to have additional support. In fact, that's a really good thing. But you want to make sure that you still have access to the founder of the program in some form. And so you want to ask, is that something where there's a mechanism that you can ask them questions each week, whether through a Facebook group, whether through a call, You know, it doesn't mean that you can DM them at any hour or even DM them at all for that matter, or even send them a direct email. But there's got to be some kind of communication channel open with the founder where you can ask questions. And if there isn't, I would definitely caution that because you're definitely getting their expertise in the program. But I think it's really important that you still have that connection to that person who created the program and who's really got that probably the most extensive background of anybody in their company. And so that's something to check on as well. The other thing you want to ask yourself is, do you really resonate with this person? Do they speak to you? Do you feel like you could listen to them and learn from them? You know, if it's somebody that their voice just really is maybe annoying to you, or you're just feeling like you're not really learning a whole lot from listening to them, you just don't like their style of teaching. That's something you want to consider as well. Is this person really direct to the point or are they kind of skirt around things or maybe give you the politically correct answer? And which one do you prefer? Because everyone prefers different things. But do you really feel like you resonate? And that's the cool thing about the fact that there's a few programs out there now for learning instructional structural design is you get to pick who you resonate with and which program provides you what you need to get to your goals. So a couple more questions that I would ask about the program itself, kind of moving past the founder, the creator of the program, is what kind of support will you receive in this program? Will you have access to calls every week? How many calls? Are they available in the evenings at the times that maybe you're not working if you are still working a full-time job? Is there a community do you have access to email someone at any time if you have questions and obviously give them a reasonable enough time to answer, but are you able to do that? What is the mechanism for getting support? Or are you mostly going through it on your own? That is really important to ask and different people need varying levels of support. So it doesn't mean that everyone needs what other people need, but it's just good to check on that. What kind of feedback are you receiving? Is it going to be one-time feedback when you submit Something, or are you actually going to receive detailed feedback and then have them check to see that you implemented the feedback and all of those kinds of things? So, let me give you an example because I think people think feedback is all created equal and it isn't. So, let's say you have program A where you're working through the program on your own, in terms of there's a lot of videos that you're watching, and there's a section where whenever you finish your first e learning sample that you're creating for your portfolio. They have a little submission form where when you get to that point, which you're working through it on your own, you can submit and they're going to give you some feedback. Okay, great. You've got feedback and you can go implement that. That's it. You're never turning it back into them. They don't know if you implemented the feedback. That's on you. That's excellent. You've gotten some feedback. Now, program B has a step-by-step path where you actually can't submit anything until you get to a certain point where you've learned certain things. So instead of kind of like jumping around the videos and kind of figuring it out on your own, you're going through a certain path where it's like a college course where you hit a certain point where it's like, okay, this assignment is due. You turn it in. There's a rubric. If you don't meet the criteria in the rubric, it actually gets kicked back to you. Very nicely said, but hey, you've got to do X, Y, and Z because of course, we want your samples to be top notch. We want to make sure that they are things that are going to get you a job and we're not just kind of passing you through. So it's the rigor that's associated with it. So if you get it kicked back, you make the changes, or maybe you don't get it kicked back, you get your feedback. It doesn't end there like it did in program A. You're going to learn some more. There's scaffolded learning. And then you're going to submit that same sample again for more feedback And the instructional designers who are checking your work are actually going to go in and check to see if you implemented the feedback from the first time, because there is a level of rigor to where this program B is not going to let you off the hook without having a sample that's going to get you hired because they would be doing you a disservice by just saying, here's some feedback, hope you implement it by... They're like, nope, we're not even going to pass this. We're not even going to give you our certificate until you meet X, Y, and Z criteria. And you're going to scaffold your learning and you're going to keep revising the same sample. You're going to turn the same sample three times by the end. And you're going to look back on the first time you did it and be like, ooh, that was horrible. And everybody does it. And I kind of laugh and say, this is our process, by the way, for Applied Instructional Design Academy. That is program B in this example. But I know not every program functions that way. In fact, I think there's very few that function the way that we do. And so I always say to the members of our program, when you can look back at your first sample and say, oh, that's when you know you've arrived and you've maybe not arrived in that you know everything, but your portfolio ready. And so it can't be just a few comments from that first one. And so it's like, what notch do you want to take it up to you? Do you want to just do the minimum or do you want to take it up a notch and like really, really be solid? And so again, you may go one direction or the other, neither is right or wrong, but it's just determining which direction is for you, depending on what you need. You also want to look at the curriculum overall. What are they teaching you? Are they just teaching you design? Are they teaching you how to to go through the process of laying out the flow of your learning, looking at the learners, looking at design document storyboards. Are they actually teaching you development as well? Are you learning tools? If you're learning tools, which tools? Are they helping you get a job? Are they just teaching you the skills and then you have to go figure out how to get a job on your own? They have contacts for different recruiters and hiring managers. Are they helping you with your resume? They're helping you with your LinkedIn, your portfolio, all of those things. And so those are all questions to ask to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. You may not need all that extra support, but if you do, you want to ask those questions to make sure that you get the support that you need and you get the curriculum content that you need. You also want to find out if there's any extra costs involved. So when you're joining an academy, you're already spending some money on it. And so are you going to have to spend any more money in the form of say, software licenses or things like that. And so Articulate, for example, has two programs, Storyline and Rise, and those are the two most often used tools in the field. And you get a 30-day free trial, but honestly, that's not enough to really create something solid. If you go back to my example of feedback with program A and program B, program A, you create your sample, get a little bit of feedback, hopefully you implement it and move on. That could be possibly done in 30 days, possibly. Even then, I think it's a stretch. With program B, where you may get it kicked back to you, which may take a little bit more time, but you're making sure that's really a solid sample, you're getting feedback not once, not twice, but three times, and there's learning in between, so it's not like you're submitting back to back. That's going to take you longer. So if you really want to create good work that's going to make you stand out to where an employer is going to look at your portfolio and say, Hey, this is better than some of the people who have been in the field for a while applying for this job. And, you know, or have them look at you and say, "Wow, I really wanted to hire someone who had 5 years or more of experience, but your portfolio has blown all of them out of the water, so I'm going to hire you." If you want to get to that level, you can't do that with a 30-day free trial. And so, some programs may not offer the tools at all, and you may have to purchase articulate license after the 30 days, or they may offer you a couple of weeks on the tool, and then you're going to end up having to purchase it anyway because a couple of weeks in addition to your 30-day trial is really still not going to be enough to do that top-notch. But maybe you're not interested in doing the top-notch sample. And so in that case, a shorter amount of time may work for you. But just know that it's very difficult and you've got to really manage your time super well and have a lot of it to be able to really get through that in a month or two. Typically, we give five months of access to articulate people don't have to go out and buy an $1,100 software license. And they use every ounce of that five months in getting their samples to where they need to be. So just kind of keep that in mind. So the other thing that you want to ask is, is this program promising you anything? Are there any guaranteed results? If there are, that's a red flag. So you want to be really careful that you are not going with a program that is guaranteeing anything, because honestly, no one can guarantee anything. You've got to put in the work to make it happen. And everyone's situation is different. So whether that's guaranteeing a certain salary or guaranteeing or saying that, you know, it's very likely that you'll get a job in a couple of months from the first moment that you just open something to learn instructional design. Like you have no idea what instructional design is and you're going to go from that to a job in a couple of months. I would be very careful with anybody who tells you that because honestly, it's simply not true. Nobody can guarantee you a certain salary. What we do is we have averages for salary called our ADA data where we compile every time someone gets a job, we have them fill out a questionnaire. And so we have averages for what people in ADA get which are higher than the national averages for interlevel instructional designers. But do we guarantee that you'll get that? No. In fact, we have some people that get way over that, some people that get under that. That's just the average. And so we don't guarantee any of that. We don't even guarantee that you'll get a job because you have to do the work. But we have good success rates and we tell you what our averages are and then it's up to you. And then we partner together to make it happen. We're also, we're not going to tell you that you're going to get a job in a couple of months because honestly, the average person that is applying to a job in corporate period, even if they're not transitioning fields and they're not working in instructional design, it's going to take them at least a couple of months, if not longer than that, to get a job in general. So to get a corporate job the way corporate hiring cycles go, and that's a whole nother topic for another time. It's not like a week or two. This stuff doesn't happen that quickly. So trying to learn a field and get a job in a couple of months, it's just not going to happen. That's why our program is nine months long, because we want to support you all the way through learning plus all the applying and tweaking and all of those kinds of things as well. And so I just want to be careful of anybody promising you those kinds of things. All right. So that is all I have on my list of questions to ask. But I just want to leave you with a couple of tasks that I want to make sure that you're doing when you're considering joining an ID Academy. And part of this I already talked about, but I want to kind of summarize. So one is you want to research what that founder or creator of that program has done, their background, all of those things. You want to see who have they worked with, their clients, all of that. So that's one thing, whether you're Googling, whether you're going to their website, whether you're talking to people that know them talking to people who have been through the program before, which I highly recommend, you want to research them. You also want to pay attention to and research what results they have achieved for the students or the members that have gone through the program. So what kind of jobs have they gotten? What kind of salaries have they gotten? You know, how many of them have gotten jobs? What do their portfolios look like? What kinds of things are they producing? And so a lot of times you can go to the website for the program to find that out or through Google or through Facebook groups or through, you know, other means again, talking to people who have gone through the program. You want to check reviews. You want to see, especially if they're on a third party site so that it's all neutral. You want to check that and see if anything has been said good or bad about them. Like I said, you want to talk to people if you can talk to people who have already been through the program, maybe somebody who kind of resonates with your situation. You can even go on LinkedIn and find people who have been through these various programs if you just um, search for them. And so you can find people on LinkedIn to talk to. And you just want to ask a lot of questions. You want to consume content that that particular company or that academy or that founder of the academy is putting out so you can really see if that's something that you resonate with. If you're already learning from that person and it's free, that's a good sign. And so these are all things that you are going to want to um, really do your due diligence and consider. Hopefully this was helpful in helping you to identify, A, if you even want to join an ID academy and B, if you do decide you want to join one how to narrow that down and really decide what kind of program you're looking for if you really want that in-depth program that really takes you all the way through or if you want something quick or if you want to make sure that you're joining a program that is best for you if you're interested in learning more about applied instructional design academy and how we work how i teach my style And even more about what is required to get a job in instructional design so that you can know if this is something you can even do it yourself, or if you really do need that support. I do have a free workshop coming up in a couple of weeks. It's going to be starting on April 17th, and it'll be at 6 p.m. Central, but we will have replays. So if you can't make that time live, that's fine. It will be in our Facebook group and totally free. I'm going to be giving you lots and lots of content each day. It's pretty packed with content. And if you are considering possibly joining us in Applied Instructional Design Academy, you will have a really good idea of if I'm somebody that you resonate with. And you'll also be very familiar with my background and what I've done and all of that by the end of that week. You also get to know my staff and be able to see who all is going to be supporting you on our journey, how we support you and all of those things as well. But even if you decide that you don't want to join Applied Instructional Design Academy, It's a great way to just see what it is that you need to get into the field. And I'd love for you to even be sure about that. Just say, you know what? Nope, that's not the program for me. I'm going to go a different direction because I think clarity is really the most important thing. If you're interested in joining that workshop, the link to join is in the show notes. And I hope to see you there. Hopefully this episode has been helpful for you and I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Did you have a moment of clarity? Maybe you have some additional questions. Let's discuss in my Facebook group, which can be found in the description below and in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Let me know if there's a specific topic you'd like me to cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the show. You can also check out more resources for breaking into instructional design on my website, learningstrategyanddesign.com. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.